0: So MVP and I, we've been joking around past couple episodes about how we're eventually going to have like little astromech droids or little R2-D2 droids be like our little toolbox companion slash robotic mechanic to help us out on our inspections and maintenance.
1: Yes. Joking slash super hopeful that that actually happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Super. I mean, how cool would that be? be? How cool would that be, right? Actually having like okay this may be ways away into the future but actually having like a mechanic droid to just help you out on your day-to-day maintenance right like it doesn't have to exactly take over for you but like it has all like the specs and it can project it as a hologram or it has like the engineering drawing and it can tell you exactly where things are being it's like a certified NDI so you don't have to like uh go find really expensive equipment it can
1: do they can do on the spot soap samples and hydro sample analysis.
0: Yeah. And I'm not saying like we're replacing people's jobs, but like say like something where it's like a lot of travel work, unless like it's one of those in-depth, like you need a person watching this, but like say like uh, on-site soap samples, just feed it into the joint this little coffee cup or espresso cup of a thing, you know, maybe, maybe like, like,
1: yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. Right. I
1: was going to say where it's like, like, hey, you got to do like a, a, a an engine burn-in. It's like a five-hour burn-in. And, and some aircraft, you know, you can run from a laptop, right? So you could just, that could be the laptop. They just plug themselves into the jet and sit there for five hours on a burn. And they got all the safety protocols built in, monitoring the stats or whatever. They'll they'll shut it down before anything catastrophic happens. And you can bug out for the night. So think about that. Like, you could, you could head out and be like, all right, uh, at the end of the shift, I'm going to start the five-hour burn. That way, by the time I come in tomorrow, it's all done, and uh, we can just pick up with the uh, the soap sample we've already been taken or whatever. By that point, we can move on.
0: Right. And, you know, I mean, this is going to be a little bit of autonomy on the, on the robot side of the house. But, again, you know, like with the way things are going now, I mean, shit, look, we got robots that can walk and hop obstacles, you know, that know how to pick themselves up when you push them over and stuff like that. Or, or even now, like, we got cars now that are slowly but surely being pre-programmed to drive themselves to and from their destination. I mean...
1: And do so repeatedly without incident.
0: Yeah. Uh, or, like, there's experiments nowadays with certain type of airplanes that can land on them by themselves, you know? So, I'd say probably, like, in the next 20 or so years, it's not that too far-fetched of a dream where you can get a mechanic droid or mechanic robot that knows how to discern... A five-hour engine burnout and a soap sample. Just yeah,
1: it's got its own, got it, yeah, it can it can disseminate those out. Print you the lab reports. You get it on the spot and you go back. I mean, God, it would minimize your downtimes exponentially, right? And then imagine if you're sitting out there, oh, oh man, working through this. I need a part, and the and the little robot orders it for you, right? It pulls up at the IVP, searches through, gets the part number, and then and then orders the parts for you and then think about as you're doing the job that because almost almost all aviation that i've dealt with recently have all moved to uh electronic logbooks, you mm-hmm. know um, computer-based systems and that that droid could be simultaneously in the background filling out paperwork and everything for you and then all you would have to do is give the a uh, the official like it, your fingerprint on your droid just walk up and Boop. And it signs it right by your fingerprint. Right. Um yeah. God, that would save so much time. But well now this is the part where where I'm gonna get greedy with it. What if it had its own like little coffee maker and and little cooler in the bottom so I can keep some waters and energy drinks in there too? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh whatever your robot's name is, you know. Uh can you give me a cup of coffee,
0: two half and half, two sugar, please? Beep right. beep. And it starts doing its thing. Right. And it and it Man. pops out like a vending machine like, or it has this little arm that gives you a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like it's like R2 D2's little little probe that comes out and it's just got two is holding your cup. It's
0: yes. like
1: it's like a it's like a crappy wally, you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or what's that one scene from Rick and Marty? like, what is my purpose? Like, you give me coffee. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. What is my purpose? <laughs> right. So that's in the in, in the semi-distant future. I mean, I would say probably no more than 20 years, but that's the semi-distant future. In today's world, in the present, we are technically trialing or we're experimenting on actual robots to help us with inspections. Now, these aren't like the astromech droids that we were just describing, but imagine that like Well, it's all going to start
1: somewhere, right?
0: Yes. And aircraft maintenance, whether you guys would, if people out there would like to admit it or not, is almost 20% of the total cost it takes to run an aviation gig. So 20%, if you guys know some of that rules, 20% causes 80% of your problems. So having something as advanced as a robot or air quotes, semi-advanced as a robot really helps in the maintenance of it all. What we were talking about earlier, yeah, sure. That's a little bit of ways away, but here in the present using robots, even though they're not technically robots or autonomous robots is in the works now. And it's a pretty big deal. Like, uh, I don't know when they started doing this, but they started using like little quadcopters to help with, uh, overhead inspections on, on top of an aircraft. And, yeah, I think
1: it's been a couple of years now. I know, like, they would use them on, like, some of the jumbo jets, right? Like the 787 or a 747. Um, I know the 747s, for a long time, were having a, a problem with the uh, back skin uh, buckling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how it kind of bubbles and it slopes down towards the rest of the the backbone of the aircraft? Right, right in that slope area, the the back skin would, was found to be buckling some. So i know they were coming out uh from like lax the maintenance crews to like the boneyard um, that's just out north here in mojave and they were going and taking old uh backskin off of uh 747s out there in the boneyard to take them down and replace it with the buckled stuff on a still active jet so I know, I know they were using it for that to, to sort of spot for things like that or you know looking for potential bird strikes, stuff that might be hard to see from uh, a maintainer's view on the ground. Because look, if you're looking at the top of the vertical from from wh- how, how tall I am standing on the ground, I, I, I'm not going to be able to see that high. I can promise you.
0: Right. So like something like a quadcopter, top to right, gra- granted, it doesn't sound as advanced, but picture that, you know, just the labor and the, the level of inspection that you have to go through just to look at these areas. And all you got to do is just like have like, I don't know, a $200 freaking toy that flies, go up there with a camera, like a little GoPro camera, and just take pictures or scan that immediate area of what you're trying to look at. And you get so much intricate detail in just like, I don't know, two minutes versus like getting all the support equipment out there. You got to get like this very high ladder or platform that can actually reach up that high. You got to have a safety harness, a safety belt, all those things, right, to to prevent uh, falls. You climb up that aircraft and even then, you know, you're you're trying to look at this area depending on where it is and what time of day it is, you know, it can, it's it can be very challenging to visually inspect these areas. And then if it's one of those like areas that seem kind of questionable, like it looks like damage, but it doesn't really. So now you got to have like this special test, right? Like say NDI or dye penetrant or some kind of laser measuring tool to see if this area is bad. And just picture like the amount of manpower you just wasted for that specific task, versus just like having like a two hundred dollar drone flying there up there, having to do silly circles for five to ten minutes, take pictures along the way, and you have a way better result, or at least a a better initial result than wasting two to three hours to get support equipment, and get up there, and then visually inspect only to arrive at the same question, which is we need further testing.
1: <laughs> you know. Well, and remember, right? They're not just you know for all the listeners there, they're not just taking the store bought, uh, your run of the mill store bought drone that you can get for 200 bucks and using, uh, strapping your own, you know, uh, use your phone to basically fly it around, or you strap your phone to it and using that to fly around. Um, it's like one of those ones where it has like the VR goggles and the people race with them and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but they also have uh, modified cameras that are strapped to these things as well. So, like, it, it, a little more in depth than just um, just your run of the mill surface, you know, camera like this one, this one's got a little bit more clarity and resolution and can kind of pinpoint some more defects that might be harder to see with the, with the naked eye, you know?
0: Very true. That's, that's a very good point. I didn't, I didn't mention that part. and I kind of glossed over that. And some of these cameras, like what MVP was saying is they can, it can get very sensitive, right? Like, um, they can check like hot spots or they can check high spots or like what you was talking about earlier with those uh, buckling panels or those buckling areas. If if a camera can snapshot that or a drone can snapshot that flying however many feet above the area it's flying at, and you're seeing this real time through a set of uh, HUD goggles or uh, whatever controls you're using for this day, that is a game changer to maintenance because... Again, going back to how much manpower you're wasting just to set up the same uh, type of a task, and to and spending hours of of uh, manpower cost just to arrive at the same answer, which is we need this or we need to do a uh, we need a more in depth inspection. This kind of stuff like saves it's it's expensive now because you know it's technology, it's robots, it's still um, very experimental but the long term gain from this can uh, is like exponential almost depending on what the application is and this one you're you're kind of incurring the upfront costs now for some of these that are trialing or doing trials on these but in the long run you know like once you actually get these up and running and it's fully tested you can save thousands maybe millions just in your maintenance costs because now you're you're able to pinpoint exact hotspots or exact trouble areas within minutes versus hours. I mean, I'm sure there's like a prep time for these uh, drones or these robots and there's preventative maintenance on these things as well. But then if you think about M- it,
1: minuscule compared to the large jet that's carrying people around and way less in-depth inspections. I mean, hell, as long as the batteries charged, is really all you got to do.
0: Right. And then plus with these robots coming in, and of course, these robots are going to need mechanics of their own. so imagine that being a robot mechanic mechanic <laughs> if, if that makes any sense to yeah. you all.
1: well are you, you you as the uh, you as the maintainer now right you're assigned your own quadcopter and your own little r2d2 and you're also responsible for the general upkeep and, and uh, whatever's required to keep those those wheels turning right you might even have to learn a little bit of coding but hey that might be the future of aMP schools too right? You know, um, A&P schools uh, tend to be a little on the primitive side, and and I get it. It's funding. It's hard to get for a school uh, latest and greatest electronic stuff. But but as time marches on, like Six has said, uh, and technology improves, there's no choice. There won't be a choice where you'll come out of that school. Yeah, you'll get your, your A&P, your airframe and power plant, but you also might have a, a minor in software coding just specifically for those those little droids
0: right and even today in the present a lot of uh and training is starting to lean towards avionics I mean you kind of have to know a little bit about, about avionics just to compete in today's world like like with the 787s for instance a lot of their troubleshooting is just printing off a receipt from the aircraft's diagnostics you know what I mean like yep. that kind of Troubleshooting didn't exist 20, 30 some years ago, but here we are today. And the aircraft basically talks to you more or less talks to you. I mean, yeah, it tells you I, what's wrong, you know, and, uh, this w- one of, uh, more prominent, uh, uh, aircraft mechanics on social media, like puts up like these videos of like, just showing just how intricate some of these little tiny sensors are within an aircraft. And it's just meters upon meters of just. Aircraft cables or avionics cables, and they're all plugged into all over the skin. It's almost like this thing's nerves because there's just so many wires. And it
1: yep. tells you heat temperature. There's like, uh, Oh my God, what are this things called? Like row cell. Um, they do your X, Y, Z axes. And then they're like, uh, they basically electrical current. So as the skin of the aircraft moves and twists or whatever else, It'll shoot signals out and show that, oh, we have a twisting an excess of uh, twisting in this area and in excess of, you know, skin stretching, you know, the skin stretching due to the speed and the heat generated by the, the friction just from flight um, or, or like the buckling on the backbone, right? That those, those little sensors would tell you that you got, you got buckling issues happening.
0: Yeah. And so imagine like having a computer that plugs in to talk with the other computer and then spout out like mechanic friendly uh, terms, you know, like uh, stress this or NDT that or soap sample uh, this, you know, and it's and it's verbatim, it's a uh, translatable to like a, a write up, right? Or how whatever the regulations say. So it's almost like dummy proof of how to get, uh, how to figure out or diagnose what's going on with the aircraft, right? I mean, do we see a time when uh, uh, robots will straight up take over mechanics? No, because with the amount of intricate work and the amount of detail that goes into it, I mean, uh, uh, as smart as a robot can get, I don't think it's going to be so smart where it starts making human decisions, you know? Uh, unless Well,
1: I I think in a production style setting, right? Building from scratch or whatever else, it repeats the same process over and over and over it bangs the same rivets on the same panel or the same part of the fuselage weekend day in and day out week after week after week, maybe, but, but like in an AOG setting or, or, you know, flight line maintenance setting, I, I don't think it'll be able to make those hip fire decisions. Right? It, right. it would only know, you know, if you came up to a, a component you're like, okay, what's this thing? Do we have parts in hand? No. Well, it's got a flight tomorrow. Is it, is it on the MEL list? And the robot would be able to tell you, yep, it's a part of the MEL list. But unfortunately, the other two parts of this system that make it redundant uh, are already MEL'd. So now this is the third one and we're out. Um, And you have to repair them all now. So then it's like, okay, cool. I got to repair them. It puts the parts on order, generates the write ups, and uh, you're on your way. But yeah, I don't think think you're right, Six. I don't think it'll work in an AOG setting because, like you said, the, the mechanic for the mechanic robot for the mechanic robot, um, somebody's going to have to take care of that thing. And there'll be some yep. IT work involved and whatever else. But again, if you're, if you're a road dog, like, like most of us in this industry are, uh, your, your IT nerds aren't going to be out there with you too much. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be, you're going to have to fix it on your own. Yeah. You call back and you'll talk to them and they'll, they'll, they'll kind of help. It's like, it's like dealing with an FSR now or dealing with, uh, an OEM specialist right now Mm -hmm. uh, if you need help troubleshooting, but ultimately it's still going to be on you to fix it and whatever else. Or let's say you're out in the road and the robot takes a shit and you're like, well, the processor fried on it. Uh, Hells bells. I don't know what to do now. Uh, Somebody's still got to fix that jet and that's where it's still going to be you. You're still going to need those skills to press forward. That's, that's the contingency plan, Right. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, you have robotics and everything else. And that's, that's the primary and it's saving time and money, but what's your contingency when, when the electronics inevitably, inevitably fail. Yep. Back to good old humans and human error. Uh, yep. And that's what, that's what you have to default to.
0: Yep. And I, uh, and I think uh, that's probably gonna, looking for as far as like the robot repair or the robot cert. I think that's going to be another, f- another training opportunity, right? Like, uh, you're an air- you're a certified AMP and you're certified to work with robots right so like the double value or however you guys want to market that salary well,
1: or in- it'll be like uh, right you can just get your airframe and not have the power plant or you could just have the power plant and not your airframe but mm-hmm. I also think it'll be um I also think it'll be just one of those additional it'll just be like another check on your on your your license right you yeah. got your airframe power plant card. And the sub-certificate of robotics, uh, operation repair.
0: Right. Like AP and AP and R.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it could exactly be it. You know, it's, that's just one of those, like, Hey, you're out there and you can still work on a plane. You don't need a robot to work on the plane, but, uh, you know, you might find it helpful or your company might be going, Hey, you know, it's like I mentioned with those five hour burn-ins. We're going to spend some upfront costs here because we're going to be able to save uh, time and effort in the long run, where we can have these these robots out here and performing engine runs and whatever else and diagnostics, and we 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 don't need humans to work overnight anymore, you know?
0: Right. Uh, so this, uh, speaking of that, as far as emerging robots, this was actually an article in 2019 where they're talking about it looks almost like a moon rover or an RC car of a robot. But it sticks to the hull of the aircraft, and it just kind of crawls up or up and around it, kind of like a spider, uh, or a wheeled spider, I guess you want to call it that. But it goes up, it, it wheels around the hull, and it scans the hull as it's as it's rolling. So it kind of does one of like those uh, buckling inspections, right, or those uh, airframe uh, rivet inspections. Mm-hmm. And this was and this was just in 2019. Uh, this was uh, actually uh, promoted by the European Commission for that robot initiative. So we're already seeing uh, robots that can climb around the aircraft, not just fly around it. So I venture to say probably the
1: stick to the hole
0: though. uh, That I'm not too sure. It doesn't say a whole lot as to how it's doing it, but uh,
1: obviously it wouldn't be magnetism.
0: Yeah, I don't think so unless they figure out a way to magnetize aluminum or titanium, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but yes, But yeah, it's it's wild. Like uh, it's just rolling around on the hull. Like, how is it doing that? That's still pretty crazy. <laughs> but imagine that, like, you know, it's going around and it and it has like this uh flush uh flush measuring tool scanner as it's rolling along and it can check like all the different high low spots or uh stress you know, points and like, the like hull. 3D
1: map it almost and then auto auto put it into like your uh like I know some uh electronic uh maintenance Tracking, you know, documentation systems. They have a an overview of the of the aircraft, and you actually can map um, map skin uh, defects on the on the airframe. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you do a write up, and it'll auto generate lat long. You know, using water lines and all that kind of stuff to give you accurate measurements. So that's something that this could probably do
0: too. Ain't that nuts, though? Like, I remember there were times. at least in our younger years, right? The only thing calibrated you have as far as like that kind of automation was like a torque wrench uh, or like some, you have some individuals that have like really fine calibrated fingertips. Like they can tell which spots are higher, which spots are stressing. And you wonder, and you wonder like, how the hell does this guy come up with any, and and some people, they can get it down to like within plus or minus two of the actual measurement. Like how the hell do you guys do that? And it, it just basically boils down to experience, right? Like. Some absorb faster than others, or some are just that talented where they can really feel the nitty gritty of certain things. But that that those are like outliers because there's not that many mechanics out there or technicians out there that are that talented that can uh, do that kind of stuff. I guess what I'm trying to mean is like the reproducibility of it all is not that great. Versus, well, I was I was thinking
1: like even with composites, right? Tap testing, right. Think of—I mean—I've been on on an all composite airframe, and and it had a 180 foot wingspan or something like it. It was a big bird, but there was a group of like ten people, and all you hear is the all day tapping mm-hmm. around looking for defects in the skin. Whereas if you had a couple of those robots running around the hole, that thing could be uh, that thing could be ndiing the, your composite structures and finding weakness in the in the core or the or the resin, or cracks, finding those fine cracks in there, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, dye penetrant testing stuff. You know, I mean, all that to save hours upon hours. Yep. Especially and if it's smart like, enough say, to like, be able to document it all itself too, or at least run most- a report that then you could input. But I think the ultimate goal would be to have it have it generate its own own write
0: ups for the logbook, right. And then say something like with the tap test or like, say, just guys feeling it with their fingers. Those are very subjective too, right? Because um, it may be high or low to you based on whatever airframe or model that you trained on, but it's not the same here, right? Versus like, say, like with robots, they, you know, they get the latest and greatest updated info, depending on how they get it. Like say they plug into the internet every so many days, weeks, months, and then they get the latest bulletins as far as what's safe and what's not.
1: Yeah, auto updated, but but even you know, like you were saying, that one person you know looks at it and inspects it and measures it out or feels it out and says, "This is wrong and it needs replaced." Well, okay, but what are this exact measurements? Well, this robot might even be able to, and well, it's been proven already that these robots can get more exact measurements than a human can at some points. So you could, oh yeah, it's not right or it doesn't feel right, but it's within limits. Right? People's like, well, it's not one hundred percent. You're like, right but it's within limits. You know, mm-hmm. and you, that's that's the whole reason limits exist, right? That's if you go tell your boss, like, oh, this needs changed out, but it's within limits. They're going to go. I'm not downing the jet to fix something that's within tolerance.
0: Right. Absolutely. You know,
1: and, otherwise these things would never fly, but that's the whole reason tolerances and limits exist.
0: Right. And we're not, we're not trying to say like, oh, like mechanics are, are obsolete and it's now all about these new robots, right? That's, not not at all what we're saying, and I don't think that's ever gonna happen. What I think with these robots or these these new emerging technologies is doing is it's it's uh standardizing the reproducibility of it all, right? Like yeah instead of like saying, like, oh, my fingertip says this is uh two to three thousandths low or two to three thousandths high, now we have a robot with an actual scanner with objective well, standards and measurements.
1: It's, it's essentially sort of taking out the human error aspect. Right. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. There's still going to be errors with whoever programs these things or whatever else. But again, as we've all seen already, it, it there it's more accurate with these with the way these electronics and, and softwares are being developed. And the uh, it's just it just it's like you said the reproducibility is just you get a set standard and that's what you work to. Um, right. Rather than I feel this way or I think this way or. Yeah, it's within limits, but it could be better. Sure. Could be better. And if we had time, maybe we could look into it. But we but time is money in, in aviation and it's within limits. So we're going to keep going.
0: Right. And then with now having like a set standard of what you're actually measuring, or at least a trend of standards you're measuring, that go that bleeds into the quality assurance of it all. So like you can talk about what's our highest drivers for problems, right? And you actually have like a legitimate answer versus yeah, trend like- Trend analysis, yep. Right? Versus like having like a, a subjective measuring, right? Based on what these many persons feel about the issue, right? Um, that That's especially apparent with certain measuring devices, right? Like they're using it wrong or they don't know how to read it. Or if they look at it a certain way, it reads one way. And if they look at it a separate way, it reads another Right. There's all kinds of errors when it comes to measuring and for most precision standards, they factor that in like this is how it's going to read if you do it this way, which is wrong or which is not exactly correct. And depending on the error of which it is, it could be plus or minus two thousands or it can be plus or minus five percent, which can be a big deal depending on the tolerance. (laughs) But again, like having something as accurate or standardized as, say, a robot. Now the only error is in the decision of whether to work on it or not. Well, check
1: I, this out, right? We were talking about trend analysis. So let's say you and I go out there and we're looking at, um, you know, we uh, you have a, a weekly inspection, right? A lot of these jets have weekly, monthly, whatever uh, maintenance checklist you go over, and you say, okay, I'm, you know, I, I noticed this the last time and I wrote it up, but it was within tolerance. Let me just check it again. You like, well, what was that the last time? in the that little robot can pull up and like well, last time it was at, you know, the tolerance is one to two and we were at 1.5. Okay. We're within tolerance. We measured this time and it's 1.7. Hmm. All right. Let's, let's continue to monitor. And the next time it comes down, we're at 1.9. Oh, this thing's clearly creeping itself outside of tolerance. It's, it's obviously something, something going wrong and you could dig into it a little bit deeper, but, again, you have that trend at that point you can show when you, when you write that up and say, Hey, we got to stop. We got We got to look into this a little bit more They can right. say, well, why it's within tolerance." Yeah. But I've been checking this for the last three over the past three months and it's slowly wa- wa- working itself outside of its uh, safe operating limits, you know? Yeah. Oh, like,
0: okay. Yeah. Like it's trending faster than it should. Right. Cause a lot of times like, Oh, well, you know, that's where wear and tear over time. Like sure. But even wear and tear has a limit, right? Like, Right. It's not, it's not supposed to wear out in three months when it was designed to wear out in 30 years, <laughs> you know, or something right. like yeah. that. <laughs> Stuff yep, like that. Exactly.
1: So you could, you can find trends that way. And it, it just helps you make uh, better decisions. I think as a maintainer as well, you can go, uh, you know, some people just go, oh, well, that's still 1.9. still so within limits. Yeah. It's been been creeping out or they might not even look at that. Oh, it's within limits. Yeah. But it's it was more within limits and then it's now walking itself out of tolerance. Why why is it walking itself out of tolerance? Right. You know,
0: and I imagine like, uh, say the, the near future is now and we get these, um, astromech style droids. I'd imagine they will only have like basic understanding because they'll probably just roll out of the assembly line, like, like a, like a, a new, aircraft mechanic or new certified aircraft mechanic would like they they're they have the general knowledge but they don't know the full extent of how an operation works so you imagine like you have to teach this thing right so you got to teach a robot as if you would a human student like like
1: almost it and and what if it's you know it's skynet right what if it's capable of learning so as it's on the job with you and it performs jobs and jobs and it learns it learns more of what it's supposed to be doing, or what it should be looking for, what it should be tracking. It learns how you operate as an individual, right? Yep. And knows that you like to start, you know, over here first on your inspections every time because of X, Y, and Z reasons. So it's already prepared and it's got that data points pulled up. I don't know. Right. Uh, again, that's that's some Skynet
0: shit. Right. I, but, imagine, uh, man. Like, imagine like you got to teach this robot its job. And then on the, in the process of learning his job, it learns stress. <laughs> it learns not to be depressed.
1: <laughs> it just starts dismantling itself.
0: <laughs> right. You're like, like hey, man,
1: uh, we're staying out in the line like we were talking the other day. Oh my God, we have, how are we going to get these five jets fixed by tomorrow morning? And all of a sudden you just see your T-8000 Terminator just reach around and push the button on the back of its head and power down. <laughs> like, no, robot. No, you're supposed to help me. <laughs> Every time you turn it on, it just shuts itself off again. No, creator. I am not I am not with this today. Like, <laughs> I can't handle this shit, man. I'm not made for this. <laughs> <laughs> it just hits its self-destruct button. Self-destructing. And three, two, poof. <laughs> it, just, yep. it melts it's just
0: smoke coming out to, coming out of his cranium oh my god I, I imagine that right like work life is so stressful that machines can't even handle it you know Yeah, you,
1: like, you're looking for your robot and you find it in the smoke pit with a cigarette hanging out of its mouth
0: <laughs> it's like bender you know what I mean like yeah,
1: he it's has like to- a bender it's like from Futurama
0: <laughs> and it starts
1: drinking and it can only function if it has alcohol
0: in it yeah I <laughs> started learning how to cuss <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's not like actual cussing it's like some R2D2 uh, beeps and whistles and like the hell's this freaking robot problem is like just on a giant rant about how it wasn't created to handle stress <laughs> So here's beep-boop, beep-boop, beep boop beep boop
1: yeah I know I know it's messed up little bot but this is the issue beep boop beep whoa don't let him hear you say that beep <laughs> beep I bet his mother does that too <laughs> Uh, imagine that. that'd be so hilarious. I'm actually looking forward to that. That'd be hilarious. I, I can't wait to be honest with you. I, I, I kind of hope that happens. I want my own little bender robot. <laughs> Bite yeah. my shiny metal ass. Hey, you go back here. <laughs> you you get back here do.
0: right now. <laughs> Don't you walk away, <laughs> walk away from me.
1: And then everybody else in the line is looking at you like, we're just having a rough day. We'll, we'll get through it. We'll get through. It. Like, like it's a real
0: person you know <laughs> yeah you know like you and your best friend just had a fight you know? <laughs> it's like you
1: and master it's like master chief and cortana right they're having legit conversations you start losing grip on what reality really is
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're both all sitting there in the in the pipe you know just like well here we are you know like have like that, that depressive depressive pause you know like you just don't know which way to go so you just kind of sit still until <laughs> you figure it
1: out <laughs> yeah till you figure it out together
0: Oh, Heck that's yeah. great. I can't wait for that. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, uh, man. Technology. It's it's, it's coming, man. I, I have a deep feeling, especially nowadays. We already have drones that can attach themselves to the hull of an aircraft and just scan it like an NDI would. And like Only a matter of time, man. I, I see it happening.
1: Yeah, like I'm, there's a video actually attached to this article, and it shows it creeping across the engine cowling uh of a of a 737 mm-hmm. um but i still don't understand how it how it's adhering itself to the because it looks like it's just got these like you know like your normal rc car when it when it has the it calls itself offered and it's got those little spiky knobs mm-hmm. on the tire it just looks like it has four of those in a in a big uh capacitor sitting in the middle of it huh. with a cable that it that's attached to it and it just drives around but I still can't figure out how, because it's riding right on, like, right on the right on the side of the cowling going uh, east to west, you know. We're actually four and aft. Mm. Yeah, it's just going fore and aft. Uh,
0: it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's like gecko feet, you know what I mean? Like, we don't know how it's doing it, but it's just doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, trying wow. to read through this article here and see if it explains uh Motorized wheels machine use intense suction, climb the outside of the aircraft.
0: But you know, I don't see, I don't see composites, but you know, like I don't see suction. You like, you you know, like when I hear suction, I think like, like octopus feet, you know, like, yeah, but I don't see that on this thing. Maybe it's just that small. That's why it's able to just crawl around like it is either way. That's pretty cool, man.
1: (laughs) Can you imagine having that? Oh yeah. Well, your mom uses intense suction. You're, you're having a. (laughs) Talking shit to your own little personal mech robot,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? It starts roasting. No, your mom
1: uses intense
0: suction. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it just throws down its tools, storms off, or it just like it it ejects all the coffee in its coffee maker uh, part, and like, no, (laughs) (laughs) it just pours it all over the ramp.
1: Now listen here, I know we've had our difficulties, but that was uncalled for. Like you just, again having like real real life conversations and arguments like you would with anybody else.
0: I think that'd be hilarious, man. Like it, it sounds stressful, but imagine like like having that deep level of an argument with a with a robot.
1: Like the AI is so good, but, but it's got to be where it doesn't talk back like like in whatever language you speak. It's got to be in beeps and whistles that you can
0: understand. Right? Cuz
1: that just to me makes it so much funnier. <laughs>
0: I know totally. So, like, what do you guys think? Uh, you, the listeners, like, do you feel like uh robots are the way of the future? Do you think we're going too fast? We're going too slow? Uh, what kind of applications do you feel robots can have, and what sort of stuff is uh would you like to see in the future? Let us know, please, in all of our social medias or on our website. Uh, final thoughts for any of this, MVP? No, I think this is uh
1: this is the this is the way um, this is the way this is the way. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's going to be, it's going to be really good. Um, it, it, you know, like we've had conversations with other people who are in the industry and um, you know, there's going to always going to be a need to, to for, pe- for people to maintain these uh, flights, not going to stop anytime soon. Right. Ever since it's ever since we started flying humans haven't stopped and we've always been pushing the limits and, you know, you've seen it all across the news, Uh, you know, everybody's trying to get to space and that's the next thing. We're still going to need people to work on these things, even when they're traveling the cosmos Mm -hmm. and, uh, and these robotics will just make life. uh, It'll just minimize time and effort. And, and I think even, you know, we've talked a lot about mental health on this show, but I think it'll even help with mental health because, you know, you got guys who've worked, you know, night crews for, for decades and and not seeing the sun really takes a toll right mm-hmm. but if everybody can work 9 to 5 type type thing so to speak and the robots are where they're with you but they can continue on with the trivial tasks that don't need you know the the fine the human brain as the final say so um you know they can run those trivial tasks throughout the night and just pick up where you came in the next day um, I think it'll make our lives easier just having the most latest and greatest tech on hand at all time. No matter what job you go out there for, you don't have to comb through the the IPBs, the fault isolation trees. You don't have to sit there and go, "What task was this?" You can just say, "Hey, uh, find me right right in inboard aileron uh, actuator install." Boom, it pulls it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's right there for you. I think the biggest thing where it'll save us all a lot of time and headache is the Generation and completion of write-ups. Yes, um, if it's working that simultaneously as you're going over and, and analyzing things, you know, and you get done, you can say, "Okay, we got here's all everything we got done today, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got the ge- write-ups already generated, whatever else. And then think about this: it's also running. It could be running a pass down, or you could be talking to it like, "Hey, take this note for the pass down." And right. then as the next guy has come on shift, you know, robot to it. it dumps it to a database and all the robots pick it up when they come online. And then as you're sitting there making your first cup of coffee for the day, um, or your robot is, if you're lucky enough, uh, you can say, Hey, you know, read me what, what jet am I assigned to? Oh, you're assigned to tail number X, Y, Z. Cool. Give me the pass down on X, Y, Z. And it reads you off that report of what was done for that day. And it shows you all the write-ups and everything else, man. That's,
0: that's where it's at. Yep. And it give, kind of gives you like an alert, like a real-time alert whenever something gets generated, like alert, a new bulletin has, has, uh, has been issued or some shit like that, right?
1: <clears throat> or think about this, like, right, uh, it, it'll also be tracking the tools you pull out, right? Maybe your your box has an interface where that, that robot plugs into it and it does a quick scan of the whole box and it's like, oh, this box is missing something already. Oh, shoot. And it'll auto-generate out a missing tool uh report and so everybody can stop you know if it, right, let's say it's right at the beginning of the day boom everybody stop don't sign anything out we got this thing missing what's up right and I think it'll help minimize minimize those kind of issues
0: as well most definitely and I all this stuff man like if, of all the little mini stuff or the high alert things can be instantly accessed and generated I, that thing that saves tons of time and just adds to our our uh performance, say our effective performance in our job, which is keeping planes flying and keeping them safe. I feel that that's our opinion. Anyway, what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments as well. Yeah, for sure.
1: I'd be curious. And if anybody out there is actually working on this new development, uh, let us know kind of where it's at and what you guys are seeing as the next steps.
0: And on that note, thanks every, uh, thanks again, everybody for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Beep, boop, beep. Beep, boop, beep. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformainness.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us, and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media, such as on Facebook at Council for maintenance, Instagram at kanks, that's C-A-N-X for maintenance podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.